in, in this week's show, we are going to discuss healthy and unhealthy forms of spirituality. As a chaplain, I have been considering what's the difference between healthy and unhealthy forms of spirituality. One factor that is often discussed in pastoral care education is hopefulness as a measuring rod for someone's spiritual and emotional health. Part of spiritual growth is to know which beliefs are embedded and we are able to reflect on them. Although a childlike spirituality is to be admired, this can be a form of regression in the midst of a trauma or a cop-out to avoid personal responsibility. As I've been learning about emotional health from a clinical perspective, the way we manage our emotional responses has a lot to do with our spiritual balance and health. Being able to dialogue about our conviction is an important factor in determining where we are in our faith. Religion is often described as an organized set of beliefs, and reflecting about them is what separates the religiously devout from cult members and fanatics. People's emotional health in relation to spirituality has a lot to do with their unassailable beliefs. These beliefs are the ones that can be altered, changed, or challenged. In more fanatical groups, this is not the case. So instead of criticizing people's devotions, we should measure the depth of their commitment to their faith. Fundamentalism of any kind is an obsession with a rigid adherence to some principles manifested in intolerance and opposition to any other view. Any type of hyper-religiosity can be used as a coping mechanism to help minimize important issues and disassociate from reality, not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable around others. We should seek to investigate ways to process our emotions and see how it affects us spiritually. Having a healthy self-supervision of our feelings and emotions enables us to question our own behaviors and explore the way we live out our lives of holiness. The degree of inner resolution, commitment to our spiritual beliefs, and our understanding of our unassailable beliefs can help us grow spiritually. Although most religions have a set of beliefs that focus on God and our relationship to Him, these doctrines and definitions are not complete. A well-integrated holistic person of a religious kind is capable of operating independently from either extremist or lukewarm views of their own religion. Spirituality deals with God's imminence, the transcendental, the transcendental, existential, and experiential, and experiential. Spirituality is usually defined as the aspects of humanity, which refers to a quest for meaning. While religious practice addresses the common factors that frame our behavior which are part of a collective worldview. This is often defined as religion. The communal origin of religion comes from the act of binding together, collecting and solidifying and internalizing a deep inner sense of who we are in relation to our tradition. What makes world religions not cults is that although there are extremist views within these religious systems, they don't seek to be unconventional in an authoritarian way, or favor an obsessive, faddish devotion or veneration to a person, principle, or thing, like cults do. Religious philosophy helps us clarify this difference as it provides individuals the ability to not have to approach fate and reason as an either-or approach. When human understanding appears to conflict with a traditional understanding of a religious tradition, 
Rational truth is explored to help us find new conclusions and allow the meaning of religious challenges to be informed by our own texts and our own inner convictions in relation to God. By recognizing the inherent challenges presented in modern life and the outside world, we can grow to be secure in our faith and promote and uphold of a religion or spirituality which fulfills us at the same time. A well-integrated individual understands history, textual criticism, science, and philosophical inquiry can be manifested through nature as part of his interaction with the world. We must recognize the validity of our religious practice and our texts as indispensable aspects of our religious identity as well as our experiences and the way we relate to others. The reason that I'm discussing these things in this introduction is because I've come across um, different situations where people are being drawn to either a fanatical view of their religious practice or a very uh, almost careless and uh, the non or unorthodox version. By unorthodox, I don't mean right or wrong. What I mean is um, seeing religion as a cultural construct or a means to an end or a political idea as compared to being an integral part of who they are, which connects with a, a supernatural transcendental idea or transcendental deity. I know that for most people to talk about theology or or God can be uncomfortable, but in my field, but in my field, chaplaincy, we speak of God all the time within the context of the experience of the individual. If someone is not religious in any way or has any connection to God, we respect that as well, because we understand that our humanity is what brings us together. Our humanity is the the standard that we all have to experience life. So when someone gets involved with a religious group and that religious group is monolithic and does not allow for critical thinking or, or personal exploration, uh, I get concerned because you can study religion all day and you can uh, go crazy trying to figure out how different communities work and, and study different theories about the divine. But I would like for this show, and this is the first show where I'm actually discussing my field of study, which is chaplaincy and and pastoral care, where I, I would like for people to consider the following. Anytime you, you join a new congregation, if people are putting pressure on you, um, trying to make you do trying to make you do quick to make quick decisions uh trying to get you to give your money or or stop talking to some people or alienate your family you know there's something wrong that's an unhealthy way of practicing religion if the leader claims that they have some special power inside where they have they feel like they're the new apostles or prophets that they're anointed by God or whatever spiritual construct uh, 
to do great things and that they have a special a special understanding no one else does, you know that 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 is an an unhealthy form of leadership. If the group is close and does not allow outsiders or it only allows outsiders who support their perspective wholeheartedly and is pressuring people to to be full members and to never um leave and to also not be part of other groups um and then they're secretive and those are unhealthy forms of spirituality and using deceptive means recurring people um you know for example psychology says that they're scientific and they're not they say they can help you overcome all your problems and they can't um there's a lot of religions that that sell there's a lot of religions that sell themselves as experts on subjects that they don't know anything about and they try to brainwash you or make you accept things that you would usually not agree to that's an unhealthy form of spirituality and all these things that I've just mentioned are part of the definition of a cult but a cult most of all exploits their members mostly financially sometimes physically emotionally or even sexually but there's a subtle form of a cult or I would say a cultic group where they would um do some of those things in a very clever way um I've come across situations where someone feels inadequate or has personal struggles and they come they come to your aid in the following way if they tell you that every other person in your religion is wrong and that their perspective on on the religion the truth their gospel their interpretation is the only correct one that's the first step to lure someone into a cultic group the second step is to ask people to be as pure as them to make them feel guilty that they haven't uh made the greatest commitment that is possible within that religious construct so that can be form of rebaptizing you um making you do some special drill or uh ritual um coming of age uh thing you know they every religion has that but when they say that whatever you've done before is not enough that you have to do it again that is a manipulative form of religion um demanding for you to do things the way that they say about any other form so if a religion has been around for a long time and and there are different approaches and they claim that their approach is the only right one and that everybody else is wrong that is cultic because what makes a world religion versus a cult is that it's been through the trials of time and through the many debates they've come up with a lot of different approaches to honor god or their deity and and there is a certain safety and and respect for everybody's work you cannot demand for everyone to participate in the same way do things the same way because that takes away the individuality that god has given us and then alienating you from your loved ones and friends uh that's the best way to control someone so again 
there's subtle ways to do that, like saying, well, no one else understands you because you're a martyr for God. Uh, you know, true believers would um, would support you, but because they're not, and, you know, every religion has this m- mandate to be unique that other people might not understand or have the revelation that you do. But when it becomes this, like, divisiveness that is meant to to bring about a negative outcome. And you can say, well, the positive outcome is the person is becoming more committed to their faith. The negative outcome is that they're picking fights with people for no reason. If someone clearly disagrees with you and thinks that you're wasting your time serving God, you know, that's a reason to, to feel heroic because you're standing up for your beliefs. But when people are worried about you and they say, well, maybe you should not be so extreme or something like that and this becomes an an eternal conflict to you for you to prove how committed you are and that everybody else is not, then you know there's a cultic element to this uh spiritual path. And then the, the decision making process has been taken away from you. So if you if you say, well I have this money allocated for a vacation for me and my family. And you tell that to one of the elders and they say, well, maybe you should give us that money because we're, you know, having a big event and we need to get the word out, uh, our message out. So then suddenly you sacrifice your own family's well-being for the sake of an abstract idea or a group that has plenty of support. Then you know that, that it's cultic in the sense that it's making you make poor decisions that benefit them instead of benefiting you. It's the same thing if someone loves you or someone that doesn't love you. Someone that loves you is going to try to support you and and do things that are best for you. But when they're always asking you to do things and they don't do anything in return, it should be a two-way street. It should be a community that supports you and you support them. And there's a, a sense of understanding that not all support comes from financial ways of giving. You can give through volunteerism. You can give through uh, visiting the sick, through doing all the things. So if a religion says that the only way you can contribute is financially, you know there's something corrupt in that system. And again, the reason that we're, that we're having this um, short conversation in a 30-minute uh, slot is that I feel that there's a lot of people who struggle with religion. Uh, you know, in our interview with the thinking atheist, he says that if it's not empirical, if you can't prove it, then it's not real. Well, that's a different topic. But one of the reasons that I hear the most that people get turned off to religion is because it's too much. Like, on one hand, we all want community. We all want people to help us uh, experience life and give us a sense of belonging, but then there's the other extreme where people are involved in our business and get too entangled with our personal um, projects and and plans where it can become um, a very narrow uh, path for you and your family. Um, When you think about intentional communities and, um, you know, these so-called tribes that are popping up everywhere, usually they're they're about supporting someone. 
you know, if you look at Kickstarter and the different websites where you can give money to someone who's going through a difficult time or, or who needs support with a project, whatever, it's a way of making sure that this person can achieve their goal. It's not about trying to pull someone back and trying to get someone to stop doing what they love or or to, um, you know, help their family or their their medical bills, something like that. It's about giving and, and honoring that person and appreciate, showing your appreciation for them. So in the same way, a healthy church, synagogue, mosque, or temple should be one where people are there to encourage you, to, to raise you up, to help you uh, become a better person. If they're not doing that, then there is no point for religion. There is no point for spirituality. You know, I would debate that the spirituality that only teaches that it's all about you and getting you to be better, that that's a, that's a corruption of, of true spirituality. True spirituality is about becoming a better citizen, becoming more aware and more kind and more honest and more helpful. If it's just about you being successful and you achieving uh, great pride in your in your achievements and in your um, your qualities, then that's a corruption. That's a, a self-propagating type of religious system. But if it's something that helps you be calm and peaceful and full of love, so then you can give back to the community, so you can be uh, a steward of the world and, and make um, greater impact on the world, then that's a healthy form of spirituality. Then it's tied to religion, which religion to me is the communal uh, worship of God or the communal expression of, of a faith of any kind, which brings about a positive outcome. There's people that say that everybody is in a spiritual journey in their, their physical bodies, but to be spiritual is to be different. You know, if we are, there are human characteristics that we find as noble. But if we are just, um, you know, I guess it's kind of like a platonic or Aristotelian issue. Uh, if we're just physical, if we only care about our physical needs, then we would be like animals and we would have just the, the basic uh, instincts and desires. But to be spiritual means to have um, things that go beyond what is natural and physical, where we do things that are sacrificial or that are sometimes even counterintuitive for the sake of a greater um, a greater cause. Uh, on the other hand, I have a lot of respect for the humanist uh, community because they're saying that being human itself is a form of spirituality and that hum humanity has the potential for greater good without the necessity of a, of a ruler, a lawgiver who tells you what to do. So they believe in the human capacity to achieve greater heights. And I think that's great because that's, to me, that's true spirituality, that, that you have a, a sense of, of righteousness that comes innate from with who you are. If your righteousness is only based on fear or only based on um, obligation, then it's a righteousness that is 
limited. But a righteousness that comes from your heart is something that, in religious terms, would be you are opening yourself up to the divine. The divine is working through you even without acknowledging the divine. Um, and again, that's the bias thing that humanists would have a problem with. But um, in the same extent, um, people who criticize religious uh, groups and who feel that they are not doing any good in humanity, uh, then they they have to face the problem of if if all religion is bad, why is there so much good within religion? There's a lot of bad, and I could even say there's 60-80% bad in religion, and only 20-40% to 40% good, because we're usually disappointed by religious people. Religious people usually don't fulfill their full potential because they get complacent. They feel that once they're in, then that's it. That they're already cool with God and everything's fine. If you are a truly uh, person who opens themselves to the work of God in your life, um, you are fighting not only forces from without, but from within. Uh, and you are in, in an internal struggle to actually live out the principles that you believe. So that's why there's so many phony religious people and phony spiritual people, because it becomes a show. You're trying to prove that you are something. So I have a lot of respect for the atheist community and for the humanist community, because they're not trying to impress anybody. But the issue that both of those communities have to deal with is that there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of, uh, not church, there's a lot of hospitals, there's a lot of uh, orphanages, there's a lot of uh, community programs that are faith-based, and that shows that the religion can have a positive effect on the world. Sometimes it's corrupted or it's, they're kind of using their tax exempt status for other purposes or whatever. But there is a sense of it's tapping into a human ability to do positive, supportive things for other people in need. And that cannot be dismissed. So, but... That's why there needs to be checks and balances and the ability to discern if it's a, a healthy or an unhealthy form of spirituality. This is something that is giving people independence and empowering them to make their own decisions, to be able to be, um, you know, have fulfilling lives, to be healthy uh, psycho psychologically, emotionally, uh, in every way. Or is it something that is turning them into um, cookie-cutter uh, religious individuals that are only uh, fulfilling one part of their their spiritual journey or winning um, numbers and souls for that particular faith perspective without considering how it's impacting the person individually and how the person is overcoming their struggles because of the support of a faith community and because they feel that God is working through them. So there's good and bad in a lot of different groups including religious and non-religious, political, non-political. Uh, and, and then when when religious groups become political, then it's even more complicated because now you're dealing with human quest for power within uh, spiritual communities that are supposed to only be interested in the power of God and the authority of God, and that God is channeling that through the leadership. So, you know, some of my political views would... Uh, actually confront that and have issues with the way that things are structured. But while we 
the mo the biggest thing that that I am concerned on in this program is to educate people about the necessity to have a, a healthy and holistic perspective on religion and spirituality. That if you are part of a group that has any sense of the human experience, that is something that is um, taking you to greater heights. Um, there's a psalm that says, you know, I was in the mud and mire and God put me on a on a rock. When When I talk to my patients about hope, about um resilience is this idea that in the midst of suffering in the midst of pain in the midst of broken relationships and painful experiences either within religion or or in in the rest of the world that we can uh find people things resources that help us overcome the pain that we're struggling with and sometimes the pain is something that they cannot be even express or quantified because it deals with losing a loved one, the disappointment, uh, a mental health concern, uh, some type of deep um, longing or a break in in someone's uh, plans and, and, and not being fully fulfilled. And whatever comes your way, whatever you feel that can help you achieve uh, a, a higher state, a state of uh, bliss or some type of stability is useful. Religion at times says that the only way you can get out of the mud and mire is through the work of God. And a religious person would see, or a holistic religious person would see, a, spirit, a truly spiritual person would see that through any means that someone can get to that place, that is God at work in the world. The Again, the atheist and humanist community believes that the, the humans have the capacity within themselves to overcome anything. And that all you need is the right type of support, the right type of people to surround them, to come around them. And that's what's beautiful. That we're emphasizing the, the abilities that we have. And that we're not waiting on something else or someone else to come in and save us. So, you know, you can criticize one perspective or the other, but the ultimate goal of having a, a healthy and peaceful life, a life that is full of love and, and gratefulness for what we have and the ability to honor uh, our, the, the existence that we have, to count our blessings, to see ways that we can help others and, and find fulfillment in serving others. That's what makes us human. And I would contend that's what makes us uh, to have a spark of the divine. So I want to, you know, not to be too preachy, but I want to thank you for the opportunity to share my, my true heart. Uh, in this show, we discuss all kinds of uh, crazy things from politics to conspiracy theories, from um, social issues to um, theology and and religious uh, ideas, but this show share, I'm sharing what I experience and the type of work that I do that I think is very meaningful, and and I'm glad that I can share that with you.